Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And my name is Doris Hansen. I'm your host for the program. And we do appreciate you sharing an hour of your evening with us tonight. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to say something that we really rarely talk about on the show, and that is the finances of our ministry. We don't necessarily like talking about money. We would much rather talk about the good things like Jesus Christ and uh, His true gospel. But we thought that you should know something Thing that you may not be aware of, which is that no one is paid to produce the show. I'm not paid. Uh, no one behind the scenes are paid. The operators aren't paid. The telephone operators and the directors, none of us are paid or receive a dime or a dollar for the work that we do here on the show. Every single one of us are volunteers, even our guests, because we believe in what God is accomplishing through this ministry, and He is accomplishing a lot. The owners of this station also believe in what we're doing because they have paid the majority of of our broadcast expenses out of their own pockets. And many of our viewers have pitched in as well, of which we are very grateful. On behalf of so many polygamists and ex-polygamists who have heard the true gospel uh, for the very first time, we want to thank you all who have contributed time, money, clothing, furniture, and prayers. And if you're not a current supporter, would you pray about helping to pay for the broadcast expenses of our show? You can go onto our website uh, TV and hit the button that says keep us on the air and every dime that you give to us in that way will go directly to our broadcasting expenses and to everyone who has helped and continues to help us we thank you very much you know a few weeks ago a lady called into our show commenting that the biblical teaching of binding and loosing backs up what Joseph Smith taught, that marriage can be eternal um, marriage, but only when bound and sealed by the proper priesthood authority here on earth. And Joseph Smith taught that that authority is the Mormon church priesthood. The Bible verses that they use for this belief are Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18. So we're going to put those verses up on the screen and read them. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then Matthew 18, 18 says almost the same thing. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, they believe and teach that Elijah the prophet appeared and brought the keys to Joseph Smith uh, according to the promise. And yet, there you will not find anywhere in the Old Testament uh, a promise where Elijah was going to come and bring priesthood keys to anybody. But Doctrine and Covenants uh, section 2 verse 1 says, Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood 
um, by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, those keys were supposedly the keys of the priesthood and uh, had the authority to bind or seal a couple, couples or families throughout all eternity. The Mormon church claims to be in possession of that authority, but the polygamists, uh, each group claims that it is they who have the authority, not the LDS church. Originally, the priesthood was intended to bind and loose and seal in the practice of polygamy. That's what, how it even got started to begin with. And that was also called celestial marriage. According to Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verse 61, watch this very carefully. It says, and again, as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another, that's polygamy, and the first give her consent, and if he espouse the second, that's polygamy, and they are virgins and have vowed to no other man, then he is justified. He cannot commit adultery for they, that's polygamy, are given unto him, for he cannot commit adultery with that that belongeth unto him and to no one else. So according to this Doctrine and Covenants verse, the law of the priesthood is plural marriage or polygamy. Now, our guest tonight has been our guest before. He is a sincere man of God. He preaches faithfully from the Bible. He's the pastor of Mill Creek Baptist Church. I would like to introduce so that we can talk about binding and loosing and welcome back Pastor Dan Mamatella. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor, for coming. Please get it. <laughs> yes. Amen. So you are a pastor of Mill Creek Baptist Church here in Salt Lake. Here in Salt Lake. And, uh, Where is it at, and, and what times can somebody come and listen to you preach? Uh, in Murray. In Murray, uh, on Sundays, it's 1045. 1045? And uh, we had a 6 p.m. prayer meeting in the evening Sunday, Wednesday at 7. And uh, we are located in Murray on uh, 4500 South and 1500 East, mm -hmm. right on the corner. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if anybody would like to come and listen to him preach, he's a great preacher, and he preaches right straight from the Bible. You can trust what he says. The phone number there um, is 278-5683, 801-278-5683. So tonight what we're going to do is put to rest the false claims of binding and loosing according to the teachings of Joseph Smith that are totally not biblical in nature. Now, I quoted uh, from Matthew 16, 19, and 18, 18 uh, that talks about binding and loosing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to present the fundamentalist view, and then Pastor Dan will present the biblical view of what those verses mean. I've already mentioned a, um, some of what the fundamentalist view is, so I will We'll finish that and then Pastor Dan will talk about his part of it. Um, now the practice of sealing began only when G Joseph Smith introduced polygamy. There was no such thing as sealing in, in any marriage ceremony. It just didn't exist until Joseph Smith came up with polygamy. But when he began taking plural wives, especially ones that were already married, he needed a new term uh, to remove the hiss of adultery that was attached to it. So plural marriages became not marriages, but 
ceilings. And this doctrine came from polygamy. It didn't come from God. Women who already had husbands uh, could say that they were married to their first husband, but sealed to Smith. And one was for time and the other one was for eternity. So they could have sex with both Smith and their husbands, but because the marriage to each husband was different, it was okay. Now, fundamentalists believe the sealing keys and the authority came through John Taylor and passed down to John Woolley and then to his son, Lawrence C. Woolley, and then to Broadbent. And then schisms uh, began to, to fragment the fundamentalists and separate polygamy groups began to organize. The various polygamy group leaders each claimed to be the only legitimate authority of the binding and sealing powers. All the early Mormon polygamists taught that there is no eternal life without polygamy. George Teasdale, for instance, in 1884, this is before the manifesto, this is what he said, and I quote, I bear my solemn testimony that plural marriage is as true as any principle that has been revealed from the heavens. I bear my testimony that it is a necessity and that the church of Christ in its fullness never existed without it. Where you have the eternity of marriage, you are bound to have plural marriage, bound to. And it is one of the marks of the church of Christ in its sealing ordinances. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And then Brigham Young. Um, he also made a remark about the fullness of the gospel included polygamy. Brigham Young said, Hear it, ye elders of Israel, and mark it down in your logbook. The fullness of the gospel is the united order and plural marriage. That's the fullness of the gospel, folks. Mm -hmm. And I fear that when I'm gone, this people will give up these two principles which we prize so highly. So this is just kind of a quick rundown on what the fundamentalists believe about the sealing powers um, of the priesthood, which of course began with, originally began with, and because of polygamy. So Pastor Dan, that's the, the kind of the, the fundamentalist view, the early Mormon view. What is the biblical view of binding and, and loosing? Um, the biblical view has nothing to do with uh, what the fundamentalists or the Mormons uh, are attributing to it. Uh, we better really look at the Bible and let the Bible speak of itself. <clears throat> In Matthew 16:19, which they're using, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and what, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound. Well, the, the tense of the word really means the grammar says, shall have been bound on, uh, in heaven and shall have been bound on earth. That's very important because on earth we can only exercise the will of God. We cannot do our own thing. Uh, Jesus said, we are to pray, let your will be done. So uh, that's not what it means. It just means that doing the will of God, and there are keys. Maybe we ought to talk about what it means when he says, I give you the keys. Because first of all, we know in the Bible that the keys um, uh, are symbolic. And there is symbolic uh, to uh, the kingdom, wisdom, and knowledge. The believers would have the knowledge about the gospel of Jesus Christ, what it means. And uh, for example, Jesus said that in Luke 11:52, He said to the uh, lawyers, He said, 
what are you lawyers? For you uh, have taken away the key of the knowledge. You yourself did not enter and you hinder or forbid those who are entering. So there you can notice the key has nothing to do with plural marriage. Now the lawyers here are the, the religious leaders who were preaching the law of Moses, right? Yes, of the Old Testament. Exactly. Lump them all up, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes who knew about the Bible, but they were looking at the letter of the law and they were not looking at the spirit of the law. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is addressing that. So it's symbolic of that wisdom of the gospel, knowing what the good news represent and what Jesus came to do for us or what he has done for us. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the key is symbolic of the authority, the authority and stewardship in the Bible. Now, in the Bible, the keys are often used in the Bible for authority and, and stewardship in Isaiah and in Luke 11:52, where we just read. Uh, but Peter, Peter would be the first one, for example, who will uh, open, use that key of the gospel to open and let in, unlike the scribes, unlike the lawyers, will let in uh, the people. And we, we see that on the day of Pentecost. He, he got up there and he started preaching, and 3,000 people got saved, folks. Yeah. 3,000 people got saved because now a new key had been ordered. No one, uh, even in the times of the Jews, they had never had as many uh, uh, converts or proselytes as in one day, that is, as happened in the day of, after the day of Pentecost, at least on the day of Pentecost. And so uh, you can see there was a new key, new authority, so to speak, that was in action. Afterwards, he goes and preaches in uh, Judea. He preaches in Samaria. People are saved. 5,000 people are added, or at least the number came up to about 5,000. So it was a key of letting people into this gospel of Jesus Christ, into the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And we know that because in the book of Acts chapter 10, where he went up north, he was speaking. It says they were preaching to everybody. He says, everyone who believes will and receives him will receive the forgiveness of sins. It has nothing to do with polygamy. It has nothing to do with the ceiling mm -hmm. that uh, these people are talking about. It has something to do with what the Bible has claimed. Now, we have an example. <laughs> this is very interesting. The example in the book of Acts, uh, in chapter 19, you go read it later on for yourself, but in chapter 19, we have seven sons of Sceva who are trying to use the key or the authority that Peter had, but they did not have this because Jesus did not give to everybody. He gave it to the church and who, uh, whose head at the time was Peter. And so they went out to try to drive demons out of a man. The man said to them, I know Jesus, I heard about Paul, but who in the world are you? <laughs> and it says, he, he leaped up, he beat him up, he beat him up. And the scripture says they left the place running, bleeding, they were bleeding, and, wow. and naked. Seven <laughs> men subdued by one. Why? They were trying to use the gospel without the key. You need the key. Not everybody can go out and say, I am representing Jesus Christ. That's, That's right. why yeah. it's very important there. Yeah. Yes. And I think I have a third point here relative to these keys. The key then is also symbolic of the authority in discipline. And we see that in the Quote that you gave us in Matthew 18. Uh -huh. 
Well, Jesus. That's the context, right? Yeah, the context. The context in that passage uh, has to do with somebody sinning. And now in this case, it's not just the church. Uh, I mean, it's not just Peter, but the whole church. It says, you go talk to that man who's sinning. If he listens to you, fine. If he doesn't, tell it to the church. And then, uh, if he doesn't, I want you to agree now to bind and uh, agree uh, relative to him mm -hmm. and drive him out, Jesus had said. Uh, but it is, uh, but let me just uh, finish on this because this is very important. He says, truly whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Not something you make up. It's something that God has already bound, something that God has already commanded for us to do. Why? Because uh, binding and loosing, now please listen to this, binding and loosing are rabbinic terms. You say, what is rabbinic terms? This is what the rabbis used to use. How did they use it? They used, it was used for agreeing uh, 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 to either forbid something or to, uh, uh, to prevent it from being exercised, for example. Either you forbid it or you don't forbid it. And that's why it was, they used the terms binding and loosing. It had nothing to do with plural marriage, as we have seen in these two contexts. It has nothing to do with polygamy has nothing to do with anything else but the exercise of uh, agreeing. And in this case, in, the terms, in terms of this passage in Matthew 18, they had to agree if somebody was sinning and living a sinful life and yet at the same time claiming to be a Christian. And he says, you guys check out the matter, whatever you bind, you agree on, or if you forbid how having uh, exercise, uh, exercise uh, uh, caution, then you can forbid. That's why the translation of the new, um, the Williams translation renders this passage this way. Let me read it for you. Whoever you forbid on earth uh, must be what is already forbid forbidden. Whatsoever you forbid must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatsoever you permit shall be that which is already forbidden in heaven. So heaven, so God has already laid down the, the guidelines, so to speak, and then they're either just following the guidelines that he's already provided exactly. for the situations. Yeah, absolutely, because God is sovereign. Uh, we don't, God does not give us, uh, we don't tell him what to do. We found out what God has done. He's agreed about something. The scripture says, your word is settled in heaven. Mm -hmm. So heaven speaks to us. He says, in this matter, you guys do this. So we get together. We say, is this what the Bible says? And when we agree, then we can bind mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. or permit it. For instance, we can permit that somebody remarry on certain conditions. Or we can forbid somebody who's lusting after a 14-year-old and saying, well, I want a second wife and I want to marry her. We can say, we forbid you. We are binding you. And that's what it means. Okay. We, we hear from God and what God has to say. Uh, we don't tell or instruct God on what God is. Otherwise, we'll be in charge. Think about it. If men have to agree here on earth and we agree and tomorrow, we say, well, let, let, let's, what, what do you say, daughters? What do you, let's agree on this. You know, let me take a seventh wife. And we say, well, I'll take the eighth one. And we all agree. Well, who's in charge? Then God has absolutely nothing to do with earth. That's right. not what it means. Right. We do everything according to his 
well. Now, when they say that, that, that it was restored, uh, the restoration came through Joseph Smith because uh, the truth was lost for, for these uh, thousands of years. Uh, but a restoration uh, means that, that there was something like that to begin with that yes. was lost and had to be restored. But there was nothing like that to begin with. Absolutely. To restore, when you are restoring the table like, like this one, you bring it, you finish it to its original right. uh, condition. Right. That's restoration. Uh -huh. There was no marriage. There was no sealing. And there is something about the dead. Once you touch a dead corpse, if you were a priest, you are not supposed to come near the temple whatsoever. And here it is. The temples are dedicated now exactly for the express purposes of baptizing, of, of for, baptizing the dead. for the dead and for yeah. sealing. Things uh, to see, and you're sealing something that God has not sealed. In other words, we're binding what has not bound. Yeah. He, if He has yeah. bound it, we stand on the promises of God. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So once we read it in the Bible, we can then stand on the promise and we say, you know what? Keep on hanging on. Because why God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But we don't make up scripture as we go. Well, that, that's so. So there's no binding and loosing that has anything whatsoever to do with marriage, plural marriage, celestial marriage, temple marriage, uh, uh, sealing families together for eternity. Binding and loosing has nothing and sealing to Ze do with that at all. Zero. And like you said, if it was they were restoring the gospel, then they would have restored what used to take place. Uh huh. There's nothing taking place. We right. can ask him. Where are the sheep? Where is the labor? What are all these washing that you need to do in the temple? How come you're not having sheep? We have a lot of sheep here in Salt Lake, uh, in Utah. Well, how come you don't slaughter sheep? They don't do it. Okay, what about, <laughs> when then do you get this, which was never in the Old Testament, never practiced in the times of Jesus. It just came up because men, like the scripture says, the men had eyes full of adultery. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with God. They agreed. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, for us, Scripture is not like this. Scripture is very, very instructive. Scripture is from God. Mm -hmm. The Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed. For our viewpoint, the Christian perspective, Scripture is what God has already said. If God said it, that is Scripture. Each time we get together, we try to find out, okay, uh, what, what has God said? And if he has spoken, what has he said? And if he has said it, ours is to obey. Second Timothy, that was on the screen just a minute ago. If you put it up there, you'll notice it says, All Scripture is God-breathed. All of it, he breathed it out. That's why for mm -hmm. Christians, if notice it says it's for good, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in the righteousness. So Scripture then, it's very... Uh, it's, it's God-centered, all of it. It depends on what God has said. And, and, and the scripture at that time mm -hmm. did not include any Mormon scriptures because there was only the Bible that they were referring to. There's only the Bible. Right. There's only the Bible and for that matter the, the, uh, the Tanakh and the Torah. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, the whole Old Testament. That's what it referred to in this case. So... Um, my question mm -hmm. at this point is, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders for not understanding Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, where can we find that rebuke and explain it to us? Um, the, the rebuke is in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, verse 29 through 31 
So Jesus answered and said to them, you are wrong because uh, uh, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. I like what he said, you are wrong. In verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, uh, you, uh, I like what he says here in verse 31, he says, have you not read what God was spoken to you by God? What God spoke to you? In other words, what God said is written in that verse. Whatever God said is written down, and God is expecting us, at least Jesus is expecting us, to abide by it, so not Jesus, to come up with so anything So Jesus new. came up to them and said, you are wrong, yes. because you're not following, so it's okay yes. for us to say you're wrong if you're not following you're, the scriptures. Absolutely, we tell them you are wrong, and then we're not, we, we don't say we're wrong because uh, it's inconvenient for us. We're saying we, you are wrong because you, you don't understand the Bible. Right. Jesus, this is what Jesus, see for us, Jesus is the benchmark. Whatever he says, that's it. If we were not sure about scripture, when they were putting uh, the canon together, when they were not sure, they found that if Jesus authenticated this, then it went into the canon of mm -hmm. scripture. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's what we're looking at. So he's not talking here about anything else. Just, they're like angels. We are like angels. Uh, we, in other words, we're going to have some joy in heaven that far surpasses the sexual experience that these men are lusting after. But let's state right here that angels right. aren't married. They're not married. There, there's no marriage in heaven because angels are not married, never have been, never will be. Yes. And if you oppose that, then you're opposing Jesus. Right. Think about it. Right. You have to oppose Jesus. Jesus says they're like angels. Well, he made angels. He says he created all things visible and invisible principalities or powers, angels. He mm -hmm. made them all. So if he tells us that they have no, they are not giving in marriage and we're going to be like them, we, we listen to Jesus. Yes. Yes. It yes. has nothing to do with polygamy. He's, he has the supreme Absolutely say not, in it. So uh, Brigham Young claimed that <clears throat> his sermons were scriptures. In mm -hmm. fact, he said in Journal of Discourses, Volume 13, mm -hmm. and I quote, he said, I have never yet preached a sermon and mm -hmm. send it out to the children of men that they may not call scripture. Oh, Let me have right. the privilege of correcting a sermon and it is as good as scripture as they deserve. So he, he claimed that his word was scripture. He says his word is scripture, but none is in that quote. He says, if I have the privilege of correcting, well, if it was scripture the first time, right? It's scripture the first time. He says people must obey it because it's scripture. Now, he says, well, it was scripture yesterday, so I'm going to go ahead and correct it. I'll go ahead and correct it, and if I correct it, it'll be better scripture. Well, there's better scripture and bad scripture. We're saying all this is that junk. That can be, that can because be. Because scripture says all scripture is God-breathed. It's right. very instructive. It doesn't need correction. It doesn't need correction, and uh, it's very profitable. All it has to do is to be obeyed. It is not a matter of consensus. We don't get together and figure out, okay, let's agree on this. It's not a matter of convenience. Well, if it's convenient to do this, we are the church leadership. Let us institute this rule so we can get those women. It's not a matter of, of, of consensus or convenience. Or voting it in or it's out. It's not a, a voting in or not. It has nothing to do with it. Scripture is what God has said. So if you're watching and you are a woman out there who is being suppressed by religion, ask yourself, did God speak? Has God spoken? You find something that's oppressive to you. 
Find out if Jesus ever said it. If he hasn't yeah. said it, chug it out. And Brigham Young also said, and, and this you know, mm -hmm. tells us that he admitted that they used deceitful tactics uh, to do what they needed to do. He said on July 12th of 1875, and I quote, we shall pull the wool over the eyes of the American people and make them swallow Mormonism, polygamy, and all. My goodness, look. He says we're going to lie to them. Yeah. We are going to lie to them to believe Mormonism. Look, when you, if you have truth, truth always conquers any form of error. In this case, he said we're going to pull a wool over their heads. Listen to what the scripture says. The scripture says, Jesus, by the way, Jesus said, sanctify them according to your word. And he says this, your word. It's truth. It's truth. That's, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, 160, listen to what it says. He says, the sum of your word is truth. And every uh, one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Now, if you look at that statement, he's using lies. Lies is not righteousness. Uh -uh. And he says, all, all the ordinances of God, the righteous ordinances of God, that's not righteous that's he's righteous lying and he's scheming that's not uh, that's religion that's yeah. not a relationship that's with not Christ. a relationship mm -hmm. an example of bad scripture of course mm -hmm. and this is from Brigham Young um, is uh, a, a follow the quote that he made uh, to give a false notion of what the Bible teaches or a false notion even of Jesus Christ a fraudulent mm -hmm. idea of him I'm going to quote this and this should make uh, some people pretty upset mm -hmm. when you hear what he said and I quote and you say that Jesus raised the dead? If you will turn to the Old Testament, you will find that a certain woman called the Witch of Endor raised up Samuel the prophet. Did Jesus ever raise up a prophet? What greater work did Jesus do than a witch? What proof have you that Jesus wrought any greater miracle than the Witch of Endor, a wicked woman who brought the prophet Samuel from his grave? Examine the character of the Savior and examine the characters of those who have written the Old and New Testaments and then compare them with the character of Joseph Smith, the founder of this work, the man whom God called and to whom he gave the keys of priesthood. And you will find that his character stands as fair as that of any man's mentioned in the Bible. We can find no person who presents a better character to the world when the facts are known than Joseph Smith Jr., the prophet, and his brother Hiram Smith, who was murdered with him. So yes. Brigham Young states that Jesus did no better work than the witch of Endor, but Joseph Smith did? This is bad. This is as bad as it gets. I mean, <laughs> think about it. He just said that he, what he speaks is scripture, which means it's instructive, it is binding, has to be obeyed, see, it's profitable. And right after he said that about himself, he says, by the way, I can go ahead and correct it. Now, he comes back and he says, I tell you what, the witch was better than Jesus. Now I ask you a question. What right do you have to call yourself a church of Jesus Christ if Jesus was worse than the witch? That's blasphemy. That's bad. You cannot do this. It shows one thing. It shows the lack of understanding of what redemption means. The lack of understanding of what uh, propitiation means. He said, well, those are hard terms. Go find out what they mean. And then it shows a lack, again, of understanding of imputed righteousness. Because if you believe in these, you will never, ever 
say anything about Jesus that has just been said. That the witch is actually better than Jesus. This is blasphemy. And that's why we're calling on you guys to, to, to start taking out these things. Just put them out in the trash can. By the way, you have a very good book. It's called the King James Version. <laughs> Let's use that for, uh, for one. Exclusively. 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 I mean, he, so yeah. anyway. Okay. Well, this we, is bad. We've, <laughs> we've reached the point where we need to open up the telephone lines and invite you to join in our conversation. And we would love to hear from you. We're accused of, of not wanting to talk to anybody who disagrees with us. And it isn't that we don't want to talk with you. It's just that usually when you call in, you yell and scream at us. Or you don't let us get a word in edgewise. So mm -hmm. we would like to hear from you. But um, we also would like you to have some, uh, some consideration as you call in. So our phone number is 801-973-TV20. 801-973-8820. And as we wait for the phone calls to come in, we would like to share our message with you. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877 425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv There you will find the DVD Lifting the Veil of Polygamy which documents the real life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? Uh, we are here with our guest, Pastor Dan Mamatella, the pastor of Mill Creek Baptist Church in Holiday, Utah. And we have been talking about binding and loosing. Uh, what does it really mean according to the biblical context? And of course, we've been talking also about uh, the restored church and what is scripture? Uh, what can true scripture really be? 
Uh, so we've opened our phone lines. We'd love to hear from you if you want to call in and ask questions or just be part of the conversation. Uh, give us a call, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Uh, Pastor, we uh, once on a show a while back, we had a caller who wanted to know, uh, what made me think that I knew God's will for for uh, a plural regarding plural marriage and other doctrine? Because you know we do state God's will on the show very frequently, especially mm-hmm. when it regards regards polygamy. And Jesus instructed to for us to pray, "Thy will be done." Mm-hmm. And the New Testament tells us that we can test God's will, which mm-hmm. is in Romans twelve one and two, and and a few other verses. Mm-hmm. So, based on Scripture, I'm going to ask you: Is it God's will for women to live polygamy? Me. Absolutely not. How do you? How can you say it's not God's will? Because we based it on Scripture, <laughs> and Scripture is what God has spoken. If God has not declared it, it is false. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to obey it. Any time you have a difficulty in life or anything that is oppressive in your sister in your life, find out is God? Did God say this? If God has not said it. Don't worry about it. And it, by the way, but the, the scripture says, but God, Jesus, said in the uh, Old Testament, he was quoting the Old Testament out of the book of Genesis. Jesus reaffirms that. And Jesus says, the two shall become one flesh. The man shall leave, it says, uh, his mother and his father and shall cleave unto his wife. Not wives. See, wives, not wives, not husbands, men, singular, wife, singular. And the two, the twain, shall be one flesh, one flesh. See, not uh, one flesh is, but one flesh. So this is only an oppressive system. And in Galatians, there's a verse in Galatians that talks about uh, Mm -hmm. equality in God's eyes. Absolutely. If you have it on the screen, we put it by Galatians, in the book of Galatians. Chapter 3, verse Yes, in the book of Galatians, the scripture says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. Which means, with regard to God, we are all equal. That's why God, the disciples of Jesus, had different offices. And while Peter was the head, let's say, of the early church, Everybody else was in there, including the women. Talks about himself and the women. Mm-hmm. And the women were at the, uh, at the tomb uh, of resurrection. Uh, the angels appeared to them first. And Jesus appeared to the women first. Mm-hmm. So this idea of putting women down through polygamy is unbiblical. It hurts. It hurts people and uh, it just is not biblical. It's destructive. Absolutely. Very destructive. Very destructive, yes. Okay, it looks like we have a call anonymous. Someone doesn't want to uh, come on with their name, which is just fine, but let's see what he has to say. Hello? Yes? Yes. You're on the air. Thank you. Do you have a question or a comment? I do. Uh, If the Greeks were in charge or in power, they changed the Bible to whatever they wanted it to be. Who? If the Romans were, this is a proven fact, and if the Romans were in charge or in power, they changed the Bible to whatever they wanted it to be. People that have studied the Bible for a living have proven that the Bible has been changed 
uh, as well as the Book of Mormon has been changed. And so how can you quote the Bible as being correct? Because really and truly, it's been changed also. Okay. Well, the Bible has never been changed. <clears throat> First, you need to read it so you can quote to us. So we know what it is that you have difficulty with. Where the changes are. Yes. And Jesus specifically said, Have you not read, talking to the rabbis and the Sadducees and, 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 and all everybody in there, the scribes, he said to them, Have you not read what God said to you, what was spoken to you by God? At that time, they had the Bible, which we have today. And later on, in the Dead Sea Scroll, go find out about something called the Dead Sea Scroll. Because somebody was out in caves out there, some shepherd, they found these jars. The jars had uh, manuscripts. The manuscripts match the Bible that we have. And these predate Jesus. In other words, the text that Jesus was reading is exactly what was buried in those caves some 1500, I mean, 150 years prior. 100 years before Jesus. So that's very important because it tells us what we've got is indeed what God wanted us to have. If Jesus, see our benchmark is Jesus. If Jesus said it's good during his time, then it's good because he's the only one that rose from the dead. Absolutely. And also she, she said that uh, if you studied the Bible for a living, which mm -hmm. you do, uh, mm -hmm. you will be able, you will know that the Bible has been changed. And then mm -hmm. she said the Book of Mormon has been changed. Well, you know, we've brought a book on this show about that thick that has uh, every single change of the Book of Mormon listed mm -hmm. in that book. So yes, there is proof yes. that the Book of Mormon has been changed. That much proof in a book that big. Mm -hmm. But there's no book anywhere that shows where the Bible's been changed mm -hmm. because it hasn't been changed. Mm -hmm. That is just something that people repeat because other people say it and they never check it out for themselves to see if it's true. Yes. Okay, line three, we have Ked calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Ked. Ked, you need to turn Hello. your... Turn your volume down on your TV, please. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's uh, your... This is my question. Uh, let me go through this. Um, the Mormons, okay, they deny the cross. They deny the divinity of Jesus. They deny the divinity of God. The scriptures teach God's a liar. And grace is... Grace, that's all they can do. And they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ um, when they worship a complete different And so all that is blasphemy to me. And then we have all these pastors that uh, clear up to Billy Graham that want to say they're Christians. And if we allow this cult to come into the body of Christ, what are we doing? We also have pastors in the valley that want to build bridges with them. And, and it strictly says in the Bible that we are to not go see false prophets and so on. So my, my question is to the body of Christ, to the pastors I'm looking at, to the other pastors in the valley, what are we doing? And uh, can you answer that? 
Thank you for your call. We'll let the pastor answer your question. Uh, some of the things you said are true. That's why we had the quotation for you to show that the church, at least the leaders of the church, the most prominent one, and right at the top, they're saying that the witch was better than Jesus. And perhaps we ought to adopt the statement that was made by one of their leaders and to ask a question, the Jesus of whom they speak, I do not know. Jesus is, of the Mormon church is different altogether. Now, can we talk to them? We must. And if you're our LDS, you want me to come to your church, I'll come. To your ward and speak, I will come. Can we dialogue with them? These people, some of them are just lost. They need to know Jesus. We're not to hate people. We hate the religion that's oppressive to them, but we love the people. We need to point them, if we had a two, G, uh, two churches of Jesus Christ with the keys of life, we need to point them to Jesus with that key of the gospel exactly. to say, go back to Jesus and be saved. And, and I would say exactly what Dana said as we preach or uh, teach and talk to polygamists, uh, because they believe the same doctrine, they believe the same four standard works as the Mormon church does. Mm -hmm. uh, they practice the original polygamy that the original Mormon church did. And they are also polygamists who are watching. You've got the wrong Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And only the Jesus of the Bible can mm -hmm. save souls. Amen. Um, you've mentioned um, about, we, we talked earlier about um, is, is polygamy God's will for women? I'd like to make a quote here or uh, state a quote from Orson Pratt from his book, The Seer, uh, on page 173, and I'll quote it, uh, where he talked about polygamy. He said, parents who have daughters should seek to instill into their minds that it is just as honorable for them to be united in marriage to a good man who is already a husband Mm. as to one that is single, end mm. quote. So from the very beginning, they were teaching that mm. it's okay to lust after mm. um, a, someone else's husband. And yet, isn't there something in the Ten Commandments that <laughs> prohibits that yes. very thing? It says, thou shalt not last. And uh, if the mother is looking, and that's why we say polygamy is so hard, because especially for people that are not consenting to it. There's some daughter, the mother ends up talking to another man, some 55-year-old man, about the 14-year-old daughter, and a deal is made to get her married to this man. That's evil. And you're teaching the kids lust after that, but even though she's married, you shall not lust after your neighbor's wife. Or husband. Boy. Or husband, by the way. <laughs> That's so. And then, of course, there's a, a to, the way that you, to, to show how they thought of women, what, they, mm -hmm. what the value they had on women. We've mentioned this on the show several times, but it's always appropriate. Heber C. Kimball, who said that I think no more of taking another wife than I do of buying a cow. Oh, brother, that's what it is. That's bad. Yes, you're reducing women to property. You're reducing women to property, and the scripture says he made them male and female in the image of God. So you're not supposed to step down on women, whether they're little women, 12-year-olds, or older women. Uh, you're not supposed to do all that, and that is very uh, unbiblical, it's unloving, it's unchristian, and uh, all the other <laughs> adjectives you can use. 
<laughs> we can't use on the show, maybe. Anyway, um, you you kind of have, if you don't mind me saying this, um, a, a passion within you that our culture should should get rid of, renounce, um, repeal certain scriptures. Uh, from but because what we believe makes us what we are yes. and there are certain scriptures that they call scriptures that really aren't right. What's what beliefs are those that you would like to see them repeal? First of all if they can repeal two of them to start with if you repeal, please we were begging you here notice we're not yelling and fuming at the mouth and, but we're simply saying this repeal the scriptures pertaining to polygamy it's very oppressive to God's people, at least God's creation. It humiliates women and repeal the scriptures, or so-called scriptures rather, uh, on racism and on blacks and all these things about it. I mean, everything before a long time ago, we did not have the internet. Information is out there now. People can go Google it. There's no point trying to cover it up. And... Uh, my appeal would be to Mr. Monson, the President Monson, please uh, remove these because there was a time when Heber J. Grant removed the teachings of faith. They removed them from the doctrines and covenants. Why? Because they were not, according to him, then they were not sure whether really Joseph Smith said all that. So they removed them from the list of scriptures. What benefit then are you deriving from having women in section 132 and uh, subsequent scriptures, uh, subjugated by these scriptures, what benefit does the church have on all the dark-skinned people in the islands in Africa and in India and anywhere being put under the boot? Uh, not only uh, for the main church, but the church down there as far as the women. But repeal these things, and then we will know that you're serious when we say we are Christians too. A couple of verses, but because we know that this culture says Section 132 is not uh, the polygamy doctrine. They say that, but uh, the polygamists know that it is. Uh, verse 4 of Section 132 says, For behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant, and if you abide not that covenant, then mm -hmm. are you damned. Mm -hmm. Well, the new and everlasting covenant is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is not Section 132. Now, let me go down to verses 61 and 62 of section 132 and tell me this isn't polygamy. Mm. And I quote, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another polygamy, he is justified. He cannot commit adultery. And if he have 10 virgins, polygamy, given unto him by this law, he is justified. Now, section 132 is about polygamy. It was from the beginning. Emma burnt section 132 because mm. it was about polygamy, not celestial marriage. Mm. And if it isn't polygamy, some, one of you Mormons who say it's not, would you call in and tell us where the polygamy revelation is, if that's not it? And did we, you notice it says, if you don't abide by this law, not the law of God, right. the law that they made up. Right. So the women read that and they think, well, this is what God has said. And uh -huh. we're saying, no, that's not what God said. 
You go check in the Bible if you can find it in there. Find out if Jesus made a reference to it. If you cannot find it in there, just chuck it in the trash can and live your life freely. Exactly right. All right, we got a call from Carol in Sandy. Whoops. Hello, Carol. Got the wrong line there. Hello, Carol. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. Oh, um, I was wondering, I recently left the Mormon church and... Uh, I've been going to a Presbyterian church with a friend, and they use the New International Version of the Bible. Um, he's commented that the King James Version is the only one we should read, and I just wondered about the New International Version. Well, Carol, I don't. I'll let I'll let Pastor uh, mention this, but he didn't say the King James was the only one that we should read. He said the Mormons use the King James; they mm -hmm. should read it. But what do you think about the NIV? Uh, uh, absolutely. What I meant is that the King, the uh, Mormon Church already has something called Bible, and my point is that let's study that uh, more than the other things. And uh, as far as the NIV, the NIV is good. Uh, it give you an overview of things. Then you can get the ESV. You can get the ANSB. What we do is we're trying to find out the nuance of the word because you don't know Hebrew. That's why you, you study, or Greek for that matter. That's why you get uh, several of the good translations. For example, if you were reading something in English, it will say a man or boy ran to the store. If you speak another language, you will say the boy to the store ran, see? And that's just how translation get, try to get as close to the text as possible. Mm -hmm. And so read the NIV is good. If you try to study a word or word study, then you might want some other thing else, but you get a okay. good general idea of what God's saying here. That's very good to read. And for those of you who doubt some of these newer translations, I purchased a, a parallel Bible. On one mm. column it has the NIV text, and the column next to it, it has the King James text. Verse for verse, you can compare the verses word for word. And you know what? I, I've read the whole Bible through with that, and there is no changes. Mm. There are different ways they use the words, but it means exactly the same thing. So you can trust those. We only have about a minute left to talk. Whoa. I want to very quickly quote something from Heber C. Kimball, mm -hmm. and then maybe you can give a 10-second response to it. But Heber C. Kimball said, Some quietly listen to those who speak against the plurality of wives and against almost every principle that God has revealed. Such persons have half a dozen devils with them all the time. Mm -hmm. You might as well deny Mormonism and turn away from it as to oppose the plurality of wives. And so anyone who doesn't believe in polygamy, I guess, is demon-possessed. Uh, that's what he says. But you <laughs> notice that quote. He said you might deny Mormonism. Question, is the LDS main church pr practice uh, polygamy? They say they don't. So are they full of devils? Secondly, Moses is the one who gave us the law, at least brought it down from the mountain. And he wrote that a man shall leave his father, his mother, be joined to his wife, singular. Mm -hmm. Was he demon-possessed? He didn't say wives, just one wife. And Jesus, Jesus says you shall be joined to one wife, your wife, singular. Is Jesus demon-possessed? Last time I checked, the people who said Jesus was demon-possessed were Pharisees. Now you choose where you are. Okay, thank you, Dan, Pastor Dan. Uh, 
We Thank appreciate you your being Thank here. You. And uh, our, my closing remarks is that God has done, there's a lot of people who say that God is love and so he won't be sending anybody to hell. Well, you know what? He doesn't. The truth is he's done everything that he can to keep us out of hell. He even allowed wicked, wicked men to persecute and torment and torture him and then kill him on the cross so to save us from eternal hell. But if you're trusting in marriage to open the doors to heaven, you are without Christ and you are without eternal life. And the Bible says so. Jesus had you on his mind when he died on the cross for your sins. And he took your place uh, and your punishment when he allowed these wicked men to kill him. He died for your sins. Marriage can't do that. Don't trust in marriage for that. And you know what? God gives us the freedom to make our own choice about heaven and hell. He doesn't send us to hell. At this very moment, you can choose heaven. By a simple prayer of faith, you can have the gift of eternal life. All you have to do is repent, and that means turn. Turn from your way to God's way. Turn from religion to Jesus Christ. Renounce all your personal works of self-righteousness and trust Jesus alone. And if you choose to follow Jesus on his terms, 1 John 5, 13 says, you can know that you have eternal life. And then you will, the doors of heaven will be open to you and you will have eternal life with him forever in heaven. And the choice is yours. Jesus said, it is finished. What means there's nothing left for you to do, but say thank you. And we do, thank you, Jesus. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.